reset your life this Christmas, what would you change? There's been three words that have described 2020. The word disruption, the word dispersion, and the word change. We were disrupted as a society back in February and March by the coronavirus. We uh, have dispersed for the past nine months. And each one of us has had to undergo uh, a number of changes. Some of those changes have been thrust upon us. Some of those changes uh, we have demanded from each other and society. Other changes we've voluntarily made. I got a text uh, this past week from someone who used to go to our church before they moved away. And this person said, I just got fired from my job. My girlfriend broke up with me. And I'm thinking about making a major change by moving back to L.A. And so hopefully they'll be visiting us soon. That's an example of changes that happen to a person as well as changes that they're making. And I want to focus this morning uh, during this Christmas message on that third word of change. And we want to ask the question, if you could reset an area of your life, if you could reset your entire life this Christmas, what would you change? Um, some of us at our church, we've been going through um, times of unemployment this past year, and we certainly want to change that. Others of us, uh, we've been very lonely during the holidays, and we would want to change that. There's others of us that have been in relationships that uh, we've uh, made the choice to change those relationships during this time. Others of us, we've wanted to change churches or come to different churches. Uh, others of us, we've uh, we've been looking in the mirror during this time and looking at our face and our bodies and saying, oh, that person has changed. They have aged. They're looking weak. They're looking flabby. Um, and I know that's the case with me. And maybe there's a whole group of us that are just saying, I don't know what's wrong with me. I just know I want my life to change. And I think it's a really good question. If you could reset your life this Christmas, what would you want to change? It's a good question, but it's not the main question we want to be asking during this Christmas. The more important question we want to be asking is if God could reset our lives, what would God want to change about us this Christmas? The Christmas story is first and foremost about the change that God brought into our lives. And sometimes we forget that. We forget that Christmas is about God's change for us. I, I was just on social media this week, and I was watching a, a, just a video that came up on my feed. And it's a pastor of a, a fairly large church in Los Angeles. And this pastor was saying, you know, the city has shut us down, and uh, we have all these toys, all of these um, computer tablets, all of these bikes to give to the kids of Echo Park and Silver Lake and the wider Los Angeles area, but we won't be able to do that. And, uh, and that, 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 that is a terrible thing. Um, that, that it would be a good thing for the church to bless the community in that way. But this pastor said, and so I want to report to you, the pastor said, that unfortunately these children will not have a Christmas because we won't be able to give them directly uh, what we want to give them to. And it made me wonder, um, I know that it can be a blessed thing to give away uh, gifts during Christmas, but when he said, these children won't have a Christmas, I wonder if there's a subtle message in there about what Christmas should be or should not be. 
there was um, there was another story of uh, another video I saw this week where uh, there was a famous a guy who's become very famous over the past nine months um, trading stocks and he's a, a guy who's uh, a millennial and he has a huge following on the internet and uh, he said hey I got together I had someone talk to me I realized that what I need to do is I start need to raise funds for small businesses since the government is tearing uh, kind of uh, kind of waiting to give stimulus to the businesses as of this date. Uh, and he was saying, we need to move forward. And business owners, people who have funds, should help small businesses. And he said, I want to do this so that they can have a Christmas. And again, when I heard that, I wonder, what would God want us to know about the original change that he wanted for our lives during this Christmas? Would it, would it be that, or would it be something else? The original Christmas was about God resetting and changing our lives. Um, God reset and changed things with the birth of Jesus, because before that, uh, we would try and fulfill the law, his holy commands, by human effort. God said it, he commands us to do and be a certain way, to honor him, and we often disobey, and, we, and then we repent. And God reset and changed that. When Jesus came into this world, Jesus fulfilled God's law so that we may know Jesus and through that have God's law fulfilled in us. That was a reset and a change at that original Christmas. God reset and changed um, how we would atone for our sins, how we would uh, make up for our sins or, or ask forgiveness for our sins. Uh, we used to, uh, Israel used to uh, sacrifice animals when they would disobey as an atonement for their sins. And when Jesus Christ entered this world, and through his life and death, God said, no, my sacrifice will not be from animals. It will be through my son, Jesus Christ. That was a change that was initiated at that original Christmas. God reset and changed how we would know God. Up until that point in ancient Israel, a priest would enter the temple once a year into the Holy of Holies, and... and uh, and, and have go into the direct presence of God, but no one else was allowed in there. And in the original Christmas, God came in human form uh, as his son, Jesus Christ, so that we may know God in the words of Paul in uh, Colossians chapter 1 and chapter 2. All of God's fullness dwelt in Jesus Christ, and we could now know God through Jesus and this morning what I want to do is I want to look at a passage that really uh, zeroes in, focuses us on the two most important reset and changes that God wants for our lives this Christmas. And I think it's important that we're reminded of that. Now, let's open up our Bibles to Matthew chapter 1, verse 19 through 23. Matthew chapter 1, verse 19 through 23. The birth of Christ. Matthew writes, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For what? That which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. 
for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. And then he says in verse 23, uh, quoting from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, quote, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. A very familiar uh, account of the original Christmas uh, declaration that Mary would bear uh, the Son of God in her womb and give birth to him nine months later. And what I want to do is I want to look at two verses in this passage from verse 21 and verse 23 that really remind us of the original reset, the original change that God brought to us that original Christmas. And I think it's very important for us to hear that today because with all the conflicting messages of what Christmas is or is not, with all of them, our struggles, our trials, our temptations, our times of testing uh, that has been 2020. It's very important for us to, to take a moment and really uh, focus on these original reset and changes that God had for us through his son, Jesus Christ. So let's look at verse 21 specifically. As the angel had declared to Joseph about um, God's plan. Verse 21, uh, Joseph is told that Jesus will save his people from their sins. This is the first reset, the first change, that Jesus will save us from our sins. Ancient Israel had different ideas of what it meant to be saved. Uh, and, and during this time when the announcement of the birth of Christ came into human history, Israel was thinking that they needed to be saved primarily from Rome, the oppression of Rome. And certainly they, they want to be delivered from that um, as they were occupied by this evil Roman Empire. But Israel wanted to be saved from Rome. Um, Elizabeth, which was uh, Zechariah's wife, and uh, that is, um, uh, he, he, Zechariah was a priest in the temple and Elizabeth was his wife. Uh, we read from the account in Luke that Elizabeth was barren, and she would eventually give birth to John the Baptist. And Elizabeth uh, wanted to be, to be saved from the reproach of barrenness. Uh, she was advanced in age and uh, or older to where she uh, would realize that she was barren, and she didn't want the shame of that. She wanted to be saved from that, and certainly the Lord gave that to her in a son, John the Baptist. Um, there was others like Simeon and Anna who, when Jesus was born and he was brought to the temple uh, eight days later to get circumcised, in the book of Luke, we learn that uh, Simeon and Anna, both old, uh, advanced in age, they were waiting for the Messiah to be shown to them, that God had promised them and they had prayed for, that they would see the Messiah so that they would know that their people were saved, would, would experience salvation through the promise of the new covenant, the covenant of new life and grace and a savior and a Messiah that God was going to show them. Uh, the biggest reset in our first verse at this original Christmas is that God has come to save us from our sins. And Jesus said this later on in Matthew chapter 9. He said that he had the authority to forgive sins. Uh, Jesus said again that Moses, the prophets, uh, the, the, the Psalms, 
declared that he would be crucified, he would be resurrected for the repentance, for repentance for the forgiveness of sins for those who would repent, Luke chapter 24. The Apostle Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 5. He said, God showed love for us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have been justified by his blood, we have been saved by him from the wrath of God, Romans chapter 5. Listen to this, the writer of Hebrews says it, says it succinctly. He says, Christ was offered to bear our sins, Hebrews chapter 9. And I want to ask you um, some questions, City Bible Church, uh, just really just straightforward. Uh, this morning, um, what sins do you need to be saved from in the eyes of the Lord? What sins did Jesus Christ need to come into this world as a baby, grow up, fulfilling God's law, um, be persecuted, be brought to a Roman cross, to be crucified, to conquer death, and to atone for our sins as the wrath of God was poured upon him and not us on the cross. And, and then he rose again to offer us new life. What, what sins do, do we need to be saved from? Uh, some of us at our church, uh, you know, sin is talked about in different ways throughout uh, the scriptures. Sin is talked about, number one, as a burden. It's a burden. Some, a burden is something that weighs you down. And at our church, some of us are burdened by our own sins. And I wonder if we need to come to the Lord this morning and receive relief from the burden that sin has uh, weighed upon us in our conscience. A second way that sin is talked about is as a stain. It stains us spiritually. We, we, um, our thought lives that, that go astray, our words that are misspoken, our actions or inactions that prove to be unrighteous. Um, that it, the Bible says it stains our soul. We feel dirty. Inside, We have a guilty conscience because of it. And I wonder how many of us, uh, we need to be saved from our sins by being cleansed because we know that we're stained on the inside. A third way that sin is talked about, not just as a burden, a stain, but also as a debt. Sin is talked about as a debt that we owe to God. And uh, a, when you're in debt, you dread it. Uh, you know, I, I've been in debt at times in my life and uh, it's not a fun feeling, right? School loans or credit card bills, especially if those debts get really high. And I think a lot of us have had the experience at one time or another of, of owing people a lot of money and just how it weighs upon you. It's a, it's, a, it's a feeling of dread when we owe. And that is what we owe to God, something that we cannot repay. And I wonder how many of us desire to be freed from the debt that we owe God uh, because of our sin, and we need to bring that to Jesus Christ this morning. A fourth way that sin is talked about is as a transgression. This is something where uh, there is a standard that is set uh, by God for us, and we don't meet it, and so we live in disobedience to that command or that standard, and we know that. We know that we're living in disobedience. And I wonder if there's some of us here that we need to have forgiveness from the Lord this morning because of that disobedience. And number five, sin is talked about as a burden, a stain, a debt, a transgression, and it's also talked about as something that is alive within us, something that causes us to do what we don't want to do 
And the things that we want to do for God, uh, we don't do. Sin is alive within us. Paul talked about that in Romans chapter 7. And I wonder if there's some of us at the church this morning where we can feel sin coming alive inside of us. We become a person we know we don't want to be or that God wants us to be. And uh, sin just kind of takes control of our mind, our emotions, and moves us to become someone um, that we don't want. And how many of us need to be saved from that, need to find new life in Jesus Christ? And if that's you this morning, I want to take a moment, and uh, I want us to receive communion during this time. Uh, communion is a time where, for Christians, we remember the death uh, and ultimately the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a time where we say, we remember Jesus, that you saved us from our sins. And I believe that during communion, while we remember that, um, as we confess our trust in Jesus and even confess our own sinfulness, that the Lord cleanses us, he forgives us. And this time of communion is really a time for those of us who know Jesus, because even though we have been forgiven uh, for our sins for all of eternity, when we came to faith in the Holy Spirit, of our Lord took residence in our souls, uh, we need to be cleansed and forgiven from our sins regularly. And so if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, we invite you to the communion table right now. Um, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, take this time to, to think about what we've been talking about. And, and do you want to be released from the burden and the stain and the debt and the sin that comes alive inside of us that leads us to transgressions of sins. And if you want that, if you need that, then I invite you to do what Paul told us to do in Romans 10, which is to confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that he has risen from the dead. And Paul says that you will be saved. You will be saved from your sins. And so if that's you, take this moment to profess your faith in Jesus Christ, and he will come into your life. And, um, and you will know him, and you will begin to follow him and obey him, and you will have eternal life, the Bible says, John chapter 3. But for those of us who are believers, I want us to take a moment and uh, receive these communion elements. Uh, Jesus said in the upper room with his disciples that this is the broken body that symbolizes this bread, the broken bo his broken body that would be broken on the cross uh, for us. I want to commit this time as my way and hopefully your way, uh, church, to say, Lord, we need your crucifixion because in is doing this, we declare our sinfulness. And in doing this, we declare our belief in your atoning work on the cross that is good enough to cover our own sin. And so if that is you, I want to invite you to receive the communion bread right now. Jesus also said, this is the blood that's given for the remission of sins. And he took some wine. I have some grape juice here. And we, we receive this because we recognize that our Lord's blood was shed on, on the cross for our sins. I invite you to do that now. Amen. Amen.
So Christmas, a Christmas reset is about focusing on our need for our forgiveness of sins, that Jesus has saved us from our sins. And that is an original meaning of Christmas. But secondly, there's another aspect of Christmas reset and change, which is in verse 23, where the angel said that his name will be Emmanuel. Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus' name means Emmanuel, that God, through Jesus, is with us. God has been with us in different ways throughout uh, the revelation of the history of God, um, God's interaction with his people. God came to us in the garden, and God was with uh, our, uh, our ancestors, Adam and Eve, it says that he was with them in the garden after they had uh, taken the, the fruit and disobeyed him, that he was with them as he walked in the garden. In some visible way, in Genesis chapter 3, God was visible. It's probably through his Shekinah light glory. I don't know, probably wasn't a human figure, but in some way he was visible to them, and that's how God was with them in the garden. God was with us at the burning bush, in Exodus chapter 3, when Mo, God revealed himself to Moses on Mount Horeb, and he said, I am that I am, and that is who I am as God. I have been, I am now, and I always be. I am the great I am. And God was with us through that encounter. God was has also been with us as human beings um, through his manifest presence in the Holy of Holies, in the tabernacle, uh, when Israel was wandering through the desert before they made it to the Promised Land, after they left Egypt, in the Holy of Holies of the tabernacle, as well as the Holy of Holies in the temple. Once they had taken possession of the Promised Land, built the temple, there was a Holy of Holies there, and that was how God walked, was among Israel. There are other times uh, throughout uh, the Old Testament when God came and he was with us uh, through a whisper, a whisper. Um, Elijah at Mount Horeb in 1 Kings chapter 19, God came to him, whispering to him. There are other times when God has been with us through his actions. David said in 2 Samuel that uh, the Lord had thundered against his enemies, and that's how uh, David knew that God was with him. There are other times through the prophets that God was with us as he spoke directly through the mouth of the prophets, the major and the minor prophets. And in verse 23 of this passage where it says, um, his name will be Emmanuel, he will be God with us. That is a direct reference from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Uh, a passage that uh, where uh, God spoke through the prophet Isaiah to King Ahaz in Isaiah chapter 7, saying that uh, uh, Judah would be delivered uh, God's people would be delivered uh, through a Messiah, and that that would happen. And it was a prophecy about Christ. The prophets Jeremiah and Ezekiel, uh, God would prophesy to a time when God would be with us. He would change our heart of stone to a heart of flesh, that his, his law would be written on our hearts, and his spirit would be put within us. And all of that was fulfilled when Jesus came into this world. Listen to um, John, the Apostle John, who said in John chapter 1, verse 14, 
says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word of God, which is God, Jesus in this case, the word Jesus became flesh at his birth during Christmas and he dwelt among us. This is how God has been with us. And he is with us now through the Holy Spirit of Jesus. And I want to ask you, uh, City Bible Church, what area of your life, what area of your life do you need God to be with you right now? Some of you, um, you need God to meet you in your depression, in your anxiety, in your hopelessness that you're experiencing that has only been exacerbated by the past nine or ten months. And you need to turn that over to the Lord and say, God, be with me through this. I don't know if this is going to end uh, immediately, but I need to know that you're with me through this journey. And you need to come to God for that. Others of you, you need God to meet you, to be with you in a decision that you need to make. Uh, you're making, uh, you know that you have to make a huge decision that could have uh, major implications for your life in terms of your job, in terms of your relationships, in terms of just how to handle a sticky situation. And you need to be, have God with you and to acknowledge that and to turn to him for wisdom in that decision. Others of you, maybe it's not meeting you in, a, uh, in the valley of depression, anxiety, hopelessness, or maybe it's not guidance for a decision, but uh, you need to, to know that God is with you um, because you're struggling. You're struggling with idolizing some kind of idol that you're worshiping uh, above God. And we just can't seem to stop worshiping and bowing down to and idolizing this idol. And we think it's giving us life, but it's actually taking life from us and giving us death. So we need to come to God and say, God, I need you to be with me. And so that your righteousness, your goodness, your peace, your love, all that is enough for me to overcome this idol. Some of you, you need for God to meet you, to be with you, because um, you are wondering about the specter of death. All the conversation about the coronavirus, I think every one of us knows someone directly or knows someone who knows someone directly who's come down with the coronavirus. And, you know, this is not about, you know, how many people die versus not, whether it's a hoax or not, and all of that whole conversation. This is, I think every one of us, to whatever degree we believe in the seriousness of it or not. Every one of us at some point or another has thought about our own mortality. Uh, whether we hear about those um, who are dying or whether we think about ourselves. And we need to go for God to meet us with that. He is the, the giver of life. He is the overcomer of death. And we need to turn ourselves over to him. Others of us, we need God to meet us and to be with us because we just need his life. We need his peace. We need his joy. We need his love. How does God need to meet you this morning? Jesus came into this world as Emmanuel, God with us. And oftentimes we live our lives apart from God, whether we've never given our lives over to Jesus in the first place, and we are apart from him both now and all of eternity, or whether we have given our lives to Jesus. But there are areas of our lives, there's moments, there's seasons, uh, where we just are not seeking him out. And he's not part of our, of our lives and decisions. He wants to be, uh, but we're, are, we're so filled with, with other things, whether we're, we're uh, a Martha running around and we just feel like we don't have enough time, 
or we're like the Pharisees and religious leaders where we feel that we're good enough for God and all of our good works and accomplishing what we need to accomplish in life kind of on our own um, in terms of our religiosity, um, or we're like a zealot and we think we need to change the world around us through our own um, zealotry, our own actions, uh, whatever it might be. Maybe we're, um, uh, we're just needing this moment to come to God and to say, um, Lord, I need you. I, and this is a perfect moment to be, for me to be reminded that um, I need God with me. And uh, I want you to take a piece of paper. I have a piece of paper here and just a pen. And I want you to take a moment to get a piece of paper and pen. I want you to write a prayer to the Lord. I want you to write a prayer of how you need him. In what area do you need him? And uh, I want you to take that and make it your prayer. And if you're with us at the church uh, Christmas Sunday, we're going to bring it to the cross. If not, I want you to fold it up and just kind of commit it to the Lord. Put it under the Christmas tree. Um, or maybe just kind of string it, make it an ornament. Kind of fold it up, maybe where no one else can see. Um, and that's uh, kind of your own present to the Lord. It's yourself. But whatever it is, whatever area you, you need the Lord to meet you with, uh, give that to him. And, and let's take a moment to do that here this morning on Christmas Sunday. In closing, the original Christmas was about a reset. It was about a change. The enemy, uh, the, the dark demonic forces around you. They want to keep you unchanged. They, they want you to be distracted this Christmas and make Christmas about everything else other than God's original intent to reset human history, to reset your life, and to change you by coming into this world to show you who he is, how he forgives, how he offers you his righteousness, his life, and, uh, and an escape from hell and an entrance into heaven and into the presence, both now and forevermore, of his, of his glory, of his uh, amazing presence in your life. And why would you turn that down? Let's not be distracted, church, during this Christmas from that, that we can have forgiveness of our sins and we can declare that God is with me. He is with us. And uh, let's remember that. It's the original meaning of Christmas. And if we do, uh, this can be in a chaotic, unpredictable world. This can be our most God-honoring, most important, best Christmas yet. Because everything around us has been stripped away. And we have the real opportunity to focus truly on what the original meaning of Christmas is for God's reset and change in our lives.